innovation is in our veins Soon the whole world will know our names Sharing our knowledge and freedom reign We keep for the people, you know it's our way Setting foundations is part of the dream It doesn't matter if you're new to the game Listen up now, cause we all gon' say Ugh. Elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, elevate, elevate, elevate Higher, we gon' rise up we all gon' shine, work through adversity, stay on the grind, elevate, elevate, this is our time, elevate, elevate. Welcome to Elevate Podcast, everyone. It's so great to have you all on one more time. It's your boy, Josh. And Reg. And we're grateful to be back on with you yet again. We got some stuff to talk about, but first off, yes, you read that title right. We're going to be talking about abolishing the Bank of Canada. We'll be talking about why we believe that. I should say, I believe that. And what we'll be getting into. But really what stemmed all this was Mr. New El Presidente over in Argentina, who's abolishing their central bank. And what does that mean for them? What's that going to mean for Argentina? Uh, and how does that affect us back here at home? We'll be getting into it. But as well as we're getting into the old theatrical of politics, you know, Mr. Paul Yev saying, just Bring it in the House of Commons to good old Justin Trudeau. And then we'll be also talking about some other drama going on in local politics here in Nova Scotia. But, Reg, how are you feeling, big dog? I'm doing good. I had a really good weekend. I got my fill of karaoke. And if anybody who knows me personally, that's a, a soft spot for me. I, I love it. I always make sure that I pick something like outrageous to sing that I know that I will never be able to sing in a million years. Like Tina Turner? Oh, no, Whitney Houston. Oh, oh yeah. True. We wanted to dance with somebody, so. <laughs> and he danced with somebody. No, that, <laughs> uh, that is the one thing I can't do. I cannot dance. I dance oh. like a white guy. Oh. So <laughs> it's not pretty. But uh, what was pretty is we had a pretty good weekend. So lots of, lots of good times with people, lots of hockey, lots of, um, yeah, connecting with people that I haven't seen in a long time. So felt like my cup was full and it was good. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. yeah. I had a pretty good end of my week myself. Um, we celebrate American Thanksgiving in our household. Uh, took Thursday, took the Friday off and, uh, had some, just some good old food. Me and Kelsey had some good old pie and, uh, it was a good time. Watch some football, watch some movies, mm-hmm. relaxed. What, what movies? movies okay so we there's a movie that came out on amazon prime i think it was called i should forget what it was called but it was about this girl whose mom gets killed by a murderer oh my god wild and then has to go back in time to her mom's era in the 80s to try and stop the killer because this person started killing back then killed her her few her best friends and then came back 35 years later to finish the job with this woman so her daughter went back in time to try and solve the case. And it, it was, it's, I'm not selling it. It was interesting. I'm not saying I'd probably watch it again, but it had the, the mom from modern family mm-hmm. uh, was the mom in this. Okay. And um, they did a fairly interesting job of kind of giving the, the idea or vibe difference of what would be like of a child from this day and age to try to hang out with a child from the eighties. <laughs> and it and let's just say the child from this day and age got bullied a lot. Uh, so yeah. I'm unsafe. <laughs> That's exactly. How was a, there was a lot of that. So it was kind of funny in that regard. Uh, I'll post, I'll figure out where the title was. If anyone's yeah. interested, but yeah, it was one of those movies, you know, like, okay, you're, you're selling it a little bit more there because like, I'm just thinking when you started, it was like, man, we watched very different movies on the weekend. <laughs> we watched Xmas, which was, uh, Oh, we watched that too. Okay. Yeah. There you go. I was like, okay, I actually, I actually enjoyed it. They, I knew what was going to happen because it's a Christmas movie, but like, 
But I, I thought they did some good jobs with uh, a couple different twists and things like that. And then the very last bit of the ending there, if you caught that, that was that was kind of fun. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, so there's there's some good stuff out in Prime right now. I'm not finding Netflix is really doing it for me. I so. know, right? They don't really got a whole lot going on. But. Yeah, we uh, we canceled Netflix um, a while back and we were going to borrow some Netflix from friends and family, you mm-hmm. know. And we just didn't even bother because we were like, no, nah, there's nothing worth borrowing Netflix for. So. There's nothing worth borrowing <laughs> from over there. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, I've been finding that lately. I've been kind of surfing through Netflix and all that and really not finding much nope. to really get excited about. And uh, let me see if I, I'm trying to see if I can f- pull this up quickly. Same with Disney Plus. I mean, I mean, Chrissy Freeland, she told us all to cancel it and we did and. She I'm was not, right. I'm not regretting it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they do have what's best in our, in our, <laughs> for us in mind. Um, I can't find it. Whatever. I'll post it. I'll post it in the, the show notes after. It was an uh, interesting, interesting movie. And yeah. uh, uh, there were some well-known actors in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it was what it was. But yeah, we were here for the uh, the Hallmark movies coming out here soon. Yeah. So. Speaking of interesting, though wild characters going on i feel like this show is just going to be completely jam-packed with like stuff because i'm just i'm actually just vibrating over here excited to talk about all the things because there's so much yeah you're not wrong so i did before the show usually what i do is i go over our notes and i'm like all right so how am i gonna sum this all up within one intro and i'm like i think i can only name two things because there's so much else that we have to cover that i can't just all sum up within one topic and We'll just go with the one that's the most spicy and the most like, huh? What did he say? <laughs> uh, we'll go with the idea of the central bank, the Bank of Canada. What is? What are they doing? How do they operate? Why do I support us abolishing the Bank of Canada? Yep. Lay it on me, Josh. Lay it on you. And also give us the background story. And uh, yeah, we'll start with Presidente. the Presidente. Yeah, <laughs> with Mr. El Presidente. So Argentina President-elect Javier Malay confirms he will shut down the central bank in Argentina. And he's come out on a couple other occasions saying some other wild outlandish things that would or people would find outlandish where he is cutting income tax for 99% of the population, mm-hmm. which is like, huh, we'll see what happens there. I personally can't really speak to um, Argentina or yeah, Argentina's economic policies. Don't know what they export. Don't know what they import. Don't really have a fully understanding of what they're all about. So don't know if cutting income tax is a good or a bad idea for the country. Don't know if cutting the central bank is a good or bad idea for the country. But I can speak from our perspective. If someone came in and said, Pierre Polyev is thinking about abolishing the Bank of Canada, I would be interested in that conversation. Mm -hmm. And the reason being is because, well, let's think about it. The way it was kind of put, I was watching a podcast with Dave Smith and Joe Rogan. And Dave Smith was going over kind of the culture that we have. And Dave Smith is, he's a libertarian. But he was talking about how it's a culture, it's understanding that things just go up over time. It's just natural. Like prices will always go up. Some t- a bad year, they'll go up 9%. A good year, they'll go up 2%. But no matter what, it's always trending upwards. And you look from, you know, um, Bank of Canada has like a tool on their website saying what was a price in 2023 dollars? What would that price been in 1904? Those things happen. And why does our money always why does prices always increase and it's because of a central bank system and where we decide to we went off the gold standard we've talked about this on the show before mm-hmm. where there wasn't anything tangible holding our dollars it was just now it's just debt and ious 
And with the Bank of Canada, what they can then do is they just print more money if we're having issues, we're having problems. Oh, we're having a supply issue? We'll just print more money. Having, uh, we're running into a big economic problem happening in our country. We'll print more money. COVID, print more money. UBI, print more money. These are the things that we'll just kind of keep printing more money. What happens if, if we lived in a, re a real world where money can't just be printed and you have to find a way to get more money? A lot of us are feeling that right now. If you yourself, Sally Joe, needs your, your power bill and your rent is going to cost you $2,000, but you're only making $1,500 a month, how are you going to try and make up that extra $500? Raj, I'll ask that to you. How are you going to make up that $500? You got to find it somewhere. You got to cut something or uh, you got to find it through other work or you got to create value in some way or retain value from something else. Exactly. That's how the real world works. And for some reason, those rules do not apply to our government. The idea in that logic doesn't happen. And the Bank of Canada, even though it's supposed to be, a, it's seen as a separate entity, then whoever the governing party is still operates on those types of ideas where they, you know, they can cut interest rates. They can increase interest rates. They also help in printing money. So these are the tools that are kind of given and what kind of causes a lot of issues with the inflation of our dollar over time. Mm -hmm. And that's where, what if we had a finite, finite amount of resource? What if something like gold was just you're going to have to mine for more of it, but there's just not a whole lot of it on the, in the world. So if you have a gold standard for your dollar, well, over time, things should actually logically should get cheaper. And the reason I say that is because if you have these systems where you actually are finding more efficient ways to develop products, find ways to make things a little more automated, over time, I imagine a, a society that is progressing should, with a, and you have a finite amount of money, things should logically get cheaper but over time they've only gotten more expensive how does that work with population growth because the population isn't finite mm. right and then i also think too about um like the stock market where you're actually just creating money out of nothing it's all speculative it's like i believe that in the future state this company will be this and then suddenly you've created money out of nowhere because everybody believes that and you've somehow created value and it's now worth this much it's value it's valuation has gone up to this much so it's like how does removing a central bank then play into like or not maybe not even just the idea of removing a central bank but like keeping a finite amount of currency when you have systems in place like i said like population growth that is always changing always growing and then uh stock markets and free trade that is always growing and always changing yeah. So first off, I would I would say that the stock market, that argument or Senate argument, that that point um, is built on a central bank system. Like mm -hmm. it's built on the idea of like speculation and right. just money just appearing out of nowhere. And like that's kind of like, you know, generations and generations ago, it was told that just save your money, save your money. And then you can get what you need when money was finite. That's how things were. Mm -hmm. Now, in today's day and age, if you told someone to save their money, you look at it as a schmuck. You're a moron. Why are you not going to the casino to go bet it all 
and then try to make more money, more money that way. Oh, sorry. No, I mean, uh, I mean, put your money in the, the stock market, my, my fault, uh, on speculation and things that aren't real. Oh, so what we're doing is we've educated people saying you have to chase interest. It's an interest game. And if you want to try and play that game, you want to get ahead in life. We're now telling people who have no idea or no real understanding of how finances really work and how the stock market works and how speculation works and how uh, inflation works and all these things. We're now be like, yeah, so here's you, what we're going to give you as financial advice. Don't save your money. Put it into the stock market and gamble it all away. That's our strategy now because of what we've done with the central bank system, where you're constantly just printing money. You're constantly just kind of creating value out of nowhere and a lot of speculation. So that's my point there with the stock market. I think you need a caveat, though. Hit me with the caveat. So when we talk about growth, mm -hmm. when you put money in the stock market, though, if you're not doing it in a such a way that you're like actually picking individual stocks, you are going to see that money go up over time. And it does go up over time. I mean, that's how, you know, ex-richest man in the world... Um, whose name is escaping? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, thank you. I was like, what is your name? I was like, mm -hmm. Little Miss Muffet. I was like, Little <laughs> Miss Muffet. I was like, what is that name? Yeah, Mr. Buffett. Mm -hmm. Anyway, that is what he's done to make his his billions upon billions. So to say that, you know, they're gambling it all away, I think that it is existing in the current system right now. You're, you're just taking advantage of what is currently there. So, but yeah, I, I do think that like, you're totally right that where the central bank systems that you have right now are feeding into that kind of a, that kind of a system like the stock market. And so that's where I'm like, okay, so if you remove the bank of Canada and you have a stock market that is globally active and they all have central banks, what does that do? Now this is where, this is where I think where things are getting interesting for me personally is this is where the, the conversation has come in with Bitcoin, for example, was because now you're starting to see something called the digital gold come in and are people going to start kind of taking their CBDCs and kind of pegging it to the value of Bitcoin, which is a finite resource? Could we start seeing over time a dismantling of a central bank in general? I don't know. Um, I, think that's, I think that's where things get interesting, as you said, with the Argentina situation where he, this man's going to try and get rid of their central bank what are they going to base their, their currency off of? Mm -hmm. That's a question. People are saying they're probably going to base it off the U.S. dollar, which is what a lot of kind of countries do. Yeah. We'll see how that happens because U.S. dollar is like a little shoddy in of itself at the moment because of it being based off of, again, a lot of IOUs, and that's kind of a house of cards as well. So I think you bring up a good question. It's like, all right, so say Canada gets rid of their Bank of Canada. What happens? I can't tell you because obviously I'm kind of talking about it in a vacuum at the moment where if it were to go, I think it would, you know, in theory, specifically only theoretical, <laughs> people would have more control over their money in general. Whereas right now, say there happened, yeah, this happened back in 2008, where everything fell apart in America and then affected everywhere else in the world. And then what did Obama do? He went and bailed out all the big banks. And the American government effectively stole money from working class people and gave it to multimillionaires, multi-billionaires. Well, I mean, that's how the governments are working right now. Look at the government of Canada. <laughs> exactly. It's, where did 150 million go? It just evaporated. <laughs> and this is where the issue comes in where 
when you kind of have the system, this is the brokenness you're starting to face where people don't have the same type of um, ownership over their money. And this is why it was really comical in the House of Commons where Trudeau tried to, you know, get his his political points on Polyev saying, do you know what this man said to Canadians last year that they could opt out of inflation and buy investing in crypto? Look how that's gone for everybody. Meanwhile, we all know Trudeau is actively invested in Bitcoin and 100% has to be. Because since him saying that, like Bitcoin's only increased in value since. Um, I say that all saying to the system that they've essentially really done a great job of breaking is now people just have no control over their finances and people are just act, politicians are actively stealing from them, whether they see it or not. When you see money, as you said, 120 million goes missing here, 100 million goes there, 3 billion goes overseas somewhere that we never see back. That's, that's our money. That that's aid though. That's aid. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up, Reg. Um, But what I think is interesting though is also too, like I had to laugh because when you said about things being broken and then I just think back to um, my family and I, we all watched the economic address, Mm. the fall economic address. It was funny because we have a big family chat and we're all talking and we're like, oh, it's going to be a watch party. (laughs) (laughs) The House of Commons is how nerdy this family is. But uh, anyway, and then Chrissy Freeland goes up, Canada is not broken and never has been broken and will not be broken. And you're like, oh my God, shut up. (laughs) You were so out of touch. But, uh, But just thinking about the system that we have though, I think the problem is that I'm seeing is that it's so integrated with the rest of the world that I don't know if that would fix it. And then also too, the other question I have is like, around Bitcoin, because you said that Bitcoin is a finite resource. Why? Why is Bitcoin a finite resource? It's a digital currency. Why couldn't you just adjust it, create more Bitcoin? You know what I mean? Like, I get it that you have to mine it or whatever, but it's like, if you create super machines that are just going to start mining like crazy and you devote all of your electrical resources into mining it like crazy, is there an actual set number? And then if there is, Who's to say somebody doesn't just come in and recode it and add an extra amount? You know what I mean? It's not tangible. So whereas I feel like with gold, um, it's tangible. You can find more of it, but eventually the earth is only so big. The earth itself is finite. There's only going to be so much gold on this planet. So I could see how that would be a standard that would be truly finite versus something that's digital that you could just make more of. Totally. Yeah, I think, well, first of all, yeah, there is uh, in theory, um, there's only 21 million Bitcoin that can be mined. So mm-hmm. that's done. It's done. That, it is what it is. And uh, that is the one thing when it comes down to the mathematics of it and how, you know, a, the, the computing power that's needed to mine it, um, the amount of work that has to like, for example, the early days of Bitcoin mining, you could do it off a laptop computer. No problem. Mm-hmm. Now you have to buy special machines to mine. Because the math, the because essentially what you're doing is on the blockchain, you're essentially running a computer to solve problems mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, yeah. unlock the Bitcoin. That's what's happening, and it's more and more computing powers needed as you go on. Yep. And quantum computing is what's going to be needed to get to that 21 million, which we're slowly getting to, but not there yet. And so this is where I, the other question comes down to what you said: was how do we know? How can what's it going to take for someone to kind of tweak some code? to then unlock 
the opportunity for more Bitcoin? And that, my friend, I do not have the answer to. <laughs> um, but I will get the answer for it, mainly because this is what happens, is I talk to people who are much smarter than I, who have given me the answer on this multiple times of what makes Bitcoin 21 million. And that's it. And they've told me so many times. And I, halfway through their answer, glaze over because it goes way over my head, if I'm being honest. And that's why it hasn't locked in with me. But I'll do it for you, Reg. <laughs> I'll do it for the people. I'll have an answer for you next week. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah, because I also think about when we think about currencies as well, whether it be Bitcoin, you know, our paper dollars that we, you know, have ascribed value to or a gold coin, like it all changes based on how people perceive the value of that yep. thing, right? So I understand where the idea of good monetary policy by of a central bank is supposed to kind of stabilize um, the value of a currency so that if something happens in the world, people don't freak out and then just start either buying up a currency or like destroying a currency or, or you know, divesting of a currency. That's the word I was looking for. Mm. So I understand where that function is, is needed. Um, and again, I still, I still kind of struggle with the idea of like, if we have a finite currency, but an infinite population where that can keep growing, then are we just, you know, taking a same currency and just creating more and more fractions of it? Like, yeah. where, whereas before, you know, I, I think about with Bitcoin, like people were like, oh, I had one Bitcoin. It's now like, I have one seventeenth of a Bitcoin. And so, you know what I mean? Like, there's still kind of like a little bit of inflated value, right? Where one Bitcoin before was only worth this much. And now it's worth the same amount as one seventeenth of a Bitcoin now. So it's almost like the opposite way. Yeah, and I would actually argue the only reason why we're seeing it, like, it seems like it's inflated is because of, of how much fiat has inf inflated. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, when Bitcoin was worth $600 back in 2017, now it's worth $50,000. First, yeah, people are realizing the value of Bitcoin and what it can do and the technology behind it. But then, two, the dollar is just tanking like crazy and thus seeing a... A big a change, increase as yeah. well. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I am interested in the idea of like things kind of like, just imagine, say you had one Bitcoin and now everything's kind of like bringing, br being broken down in fractions. Like you can buy 0 0.0001 of a Bitcoin tomorrow for 10 bucks or whatever. That's kind of how it will tend to work. And this is why we ended up going to dollars in the first place with gold. Because that was kind of the issue they're running into. Yeah. It's like, all right, I'm not going to carry gold with me everywhere I go. Um, and then I, a small fraction of a piece of gold is where I can buy this valued good at. You know, let's just use paper dollars and get around that. We'll make sure the dollars are ascribed to the value of the gold. But you don't have to carry gold with everywhere with you. And that's kind of how it always worked. And imagine if that system stayed. Imagine we kept the gold standard. Yeah. Where we would be at, like, we wouldn't see the inflation we're seeing. We'd still probably see 25 cent hamburgers, I would imagine. I don't think we'd see billionaires. I don't I'd think agree that would with be that. a thing. I, I think that. that the fact that billionaires, their wealth is based off of an idea and it's not based off of anything tangible. Mm. Like, yeah, there's going to be things that they own, like um, production companies and um, property and and rights to things like that. But I don't think that you'd see the massive wealth that they hold. I just don't think it would exist because 
if it was tied to something tangible or if it was tied to tangible things. I, I just don't see it. I definitely agree with that. I'm just trying to think logically why I agree with that right now. <laughs> and I, what I mean is like, like when I see it at first glance on the surface face value, if it's a tangible item, then yeah, you're not going to see billionaires. Right. You know, for, let's just take the Bitcoin example. For like, there's only 21 million Bitcoin in the world. All right. You can only get to so many, like you'll never be like that type. Of, and so I'd be curious if you, but they essentially built their wealth off of, you know, obviously providing value at first, but then over time, they they built their value off of just it, ideas. It's speculative, yeah, it's yeah. speculative, right? It's like, so when people talk about taxing the rich, this is a big thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is that it's like the rich isn't actually taking any kind of an income. They don't have any money in their bank accounts. They have a valuation of like, we believe that your assets and the spending power you have and what you can borrow is worth this amount. So they borrow against that and then use borrowed dollars to then invest and then make more money off of interests and off of goods and services they provide based on borrowed cash, based on no money actually ever changing hands. So that's why I'm saying if you bring things back down to a tangible level, I don't think that can happen. Mm. And so then the question is like, then are you actually hindering innovation because you, you now can't do the things that you would otherwise do? You can't send penis rockets out to space, you know, because you're not a billionaire anymore or like, you know, actually do some really cool innovative things. But uh, I don't know. And is it worth the, the difference in the cost, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think back to, you know, I guess, you know, at least when it comes to an economic perspective, the glory days of America where all the manufacturing was done here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, all the value was being established here. Well, this is the reason why America be- became so wealthy was because of their manufacturing, um, yeah. of taking advantage of uh, the industrial revolution and, you know, oil and gas and trains and automobiles, all these things. And they had a nice um, resource-rich country right above them, supplying them with all the timber, the copper, the iron, everything right straight to their manufacturing plants. It's why China's becoming so rich. Because mm. now instead of sending it downwards, we just send it horizontally on a boat from Vancouver. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where we are now seeing, you know, things switching hands and having such an issue geopolitically with China, America, wars happening over these types of resources. Uh, and the problem with America is you had people get into power, big Corporations had a huge influence over politics where they started just shipping things overseas, shipping all their manufacturing over to China and other countries of the like to now what does America do now aside from provide for culture? Hollywood, what they got, YouTube, you know, Google. Influencers. Like (laughs) that's literally like all we're really known for in the West now is we don't really provide much of anything. I was just watching the Blackberry three-part series that CBC did. Mm-hmm. And oh, I wasn't like, planning to be talking about this today, but we'll get into it, where that was really the one of the only big companies, like we really, like it's only the select few of companies that we've provided to the world was BlackBerry. Yeah. We obviously got Bombardier, which I think is Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, we have a handful of others, but like it's just a handful of others. And you had Bell that started out too. With yep. It. Like Absolutely. We, we've had a lot of, innovations but i think that the actual timeline when you look at it like our innovations were early on and it was at a time 
when things were more connected mm. to what value you're actually tangibly producing versus what value you were ascribing to things. Right. So, I mean, this goes back to my point I made last week about Canada not really having an identity. But, um, you know, our neighbors down the south really knowing what their identity is, for better or for worse. And I see with Canada where we've provided a handful of things to the world on a grand state. Like, when you look at it in, you know, from 1800, say, to 2023, what Canada's provided the world is so much less a percentage than, say, what America's provided. Because of the entrepreneurial mindset down there, was they'll just do anything, whatever they want, however they want to do it. And, like, we just don't really have the same type of mentality up here. Like we only have like a, a select few who do over time at various points, but we just, it's we're like, where's that mentality and mindset happening? And I'll, I'll point to an anecdotal uh, example, but it's a fun example. One of my uh, mentors, he was asked to teach an entrepreneurship class at York university. This would have been a handful of years ago. And he asked them, all right, you know, we, he just looked at the stats of like what America's provided in terms of like, you know, companies and what Canada's provided. And obviously it was drastically more in America versus Canada. So he, he asked the question, what would it take for Canada to, to provide more and like provide more to the world? What can we do to, you know, have more an entrepreneurship uh, spirit and provide value? The first thing people said was we need more government programs. For entrepreneurship you need people to be wanting to invest more in themselves and you know and provide more value and like you know get the support they need from the government everyone's response was we need more government to be able to help us be more better entrepreneurs and then he asked the question who in here thinks that they could be a billionaire one day one or two people put their hands up in a room full of 100 people and that's when he tore them up he was like you know, if I asked that question at Harvard Business School, everybody's hands would have went up. The competitive nature is just not here in Canada. The fact that the first thing you were asking for was the government to help you to be a better entrepreneur is the difference between America and Canada and why we haven't provided as much as say they have. We just have a different spirit up here. Not, tonight, not saying it's good or bad, but that's, that's a, a reason of why we're seeing what we're seeing. I think I'm going to push back on that a little bit. Of course, because yeah. you are the New Brunswick Canadian kid who takes so much passion in his country, and I'm so ready to have a conversation <laughs> with you. Um, yeah, so like looking at that, like I definitely understand what you're saying about the, the spirit of Canada, because I even find that being born and raised Maritimer, like New Brunswick, PEI, Nova Scotia, we're basically a province. Like mm -hmm. the culture is the same, and the mindset is the same of this like, we've been kind of screwed over by Ontario and Quebec for so long that I think that's become ingrained into how we think about things. I was like, the question I always had is like, when did we stop dreaming big? When did we start to dream small? When were we like, okay, you know, if we get an electric bus, that's, that's good enough. And it's like, why didn't we get a train? It's like, you know, why didn't we build the spaceport here? Like it's coming maybe. And people are like, oh yeah, that, that sounds cool. It's so like, when did we stop saying we could be the next um, Cape Canaveral? When did we stop saying, like, we could be the next New York City? Like, we could be the next, like, Paris. Like, we could be beautiful. We could be industrious. We have the resources. We have the skills. It's people's mindset. And it's actually something that's been identified in quite a few reports um, that have been done by the health authority, actually, 
um, when they're looking at innovative projects. So I have a really keen insight into some of the things that are happening in health in this province. And one of the big pluses why I keep praising Tim Houston is because when he entered that space, he said to the clinicians and to the people in power, he said, we're going to do innovative things. We will provide the room, the space, remove the red tape and allow you to do innovative things. And what's happening right now that people aren't hearing about because it's not communicated yet. Really innovative things. We're talking doctors creating brand new devices. Like one of the devices that I'm looking at right now that I'm currently evaluating is detecting like illnesses in your skin before it even shows up, before you even see it. Incredible. Like this was developed in Nova Scotia by a doctor. The thing that I worry about is that because of the size and influence of the United States, what happens is then one of those companies will come up to Canada, see this really amazing innovative product product, and just kind of like poach it. And then I think that there's a lot of Canadian ideas that are then just brain drained down to the States. They say, we'll fly you down, come work at our company. You know, we just, we want your innovative idea. We want you. And then suddenly it's an American idea. So I just think that the sheer size of them, it, it takes a lot from Canada in that way. And they have the means and the money and the, the just sheer population to, to do that. Um, but at the same time, I also balance that with the idea that if you don't have the right cultural mindset for being innovative and for dreaming big and for actually being inspired about the things that you want to do and stop like being a victim, being in this like, the world is awful. Everything is awful. I'm going to crawl under a blanket and create my own safe space. Like, no, innovation doesn't happen there. Innovation happens when you're like, things are crappy and I'm going to do something about it. And I'm going to put this like brain power that I have to use. And I'm going to put all the resources that I have to use to, to do something about it. So that's what I think is the difference. And it's interesting. Cause like I said, I get inspired when I go to work because now I get to see people doing really, really cool, innovative things that I cannot tell you about because <laughs> it's all kind of, everything's under like ethics review and being carefully studied and making sure that like the outcomes that are happening are actually good outcomes. And so that like things are safe for people, but in healthcare alone in this province, we are doing some really cool things. And I think that there's a communication problem with uh, all of this stuff too, where they're not telling people. So nobody, like everybody's focusing on the doom and gloom We've got a media system that's promoting the doom and gloom and nobody's hearing about the good stuff. And also like, I think that maybe we're not ready to hear about the good stuff because I don't know if people are willing to accept it yet. Mm. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's hard to, to sit here and be like, no, actually we're excellent. This is really cool. Like we have the wealth of a small country. Like, you know, we have the resources to do things like that if we activate them. So yeah, I, the question I always sit with, especially in this province in particular where we have so much opportunity is when do we start dreaming small and why aren't we dreaming bigger? But yeah, good question. And that is, you know, I, you know, for better, or for worse, every CEO has the same mentality. Like they're, they're crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The ones I've met, like they're, they're, and they all have the same characteristics. They're just, they'll get stuff done, get it done um, on time quickly and try to be innovative. And I think about the BlackBerry story. Yep, it ended terribly for them because they got taken out by Apple. 
Um, but how they started, they were very innovation. Like they brought a lot of innovation to the space. Mm-hmm. They were the first smartphone, for goodness sakes. And, you know, brought email to the phone and like was... Brick had, breaker. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> brick breaker. They, they owned 45% of the, the cell phone market at one point. Like yeah. they, they were insane and they were out of Waterloo, Ontario. And they had a massive campus and hub here in Halifax. Oh, did that? Yeah, that's now IBM owns it. And oh, I do remember. Yeah, that. it's over in Bedford. Mm-hmm. Massive, beautiful campus mm-hmm. that was going to be like the innovation hub of the Maritimes. Right. See ya. <laughs> you know, and uh, obviously they all, you know, faced their, their various issues and whatever ended up happening. But like these, we would love to see more of these companies, you know, come to fruition and, and start touting who you are, start advocating for who you are, you know, start talking you know, big again, who gives a crap who's in government? Yes, that's part of the reason where we're dreaming small is because the morons we have in office. That's true. It demoralizes a, a, a nation 100% when they are not proud of who's in government. And I think forget who's in government. What are you doing for, for you? What are you doing for your community? What are you doing for the people around you and what value you're providing? What do you want to do that's cool? You know, how do we do that as a, as a country moving forward again and, and dreaming big, as you said? Yeah. And there is so much truth to what you just said, though, because like I'm thinking now, like, as I said, like Houston came in, he said, we're going to fix healthcare." Is that an outrageous claim? 100 mm-hmm. percent. Nobody's fixing healthcare. You can make it a little bit better. Right. But like fixing it, it's a problem that's been <laughs> festering now for decades. No one man's going to come in and fix it. But at the same time, that mindset, though, is what spurred entirely new innovations and entirely new ways of thinking and doing in in our healthcare system. So it it does take somebody, like you said, to come in and just be wild and outlandish and, you know, very flamboyant in their claims and say, we're going to do a thing. Mm. And then I think that that gives permission almost to people below. They're like okay, well, if the leader is saying we're going to do a thing, why not do the thing? Yeah. And I think it's inspiring in that way. Totally. But I yeah, agree with that. I'm not inspired by our federal government, though. <laughs> yeah, you know, they're not the most encouraging, but it goes back to the kind of the initial conversation we started off with was, you know, obviously we start with a very flamboyant, crazy title, abolish the Bank of Canada. Obviously, in the grand scheme of things, that's not doable, um, especially when we rely heavily on the central bank in the America and America. Um, it's just, you know, it doesn't make sense, but in just in terms of talking within a vacuum and the logistics of why and what's happened, a lot of people's your control of your money is just gone. Now you have to like go and learn about finances, learn how to invest in companies, learn how to work the stock market, learn how to work crypto, Bitcoin, whatever it is, just so you can stay a, above inflation. Yeah. That had nothing to do with you, but everything to do with, policy it's not fair it's not right but that's the world we live in unfortunately so back into the inflation talks there's some uh some stuff you're sharing with us on the show (laughs) and i thought it was an interesting um little video here about what's going on with the inflation and housing in this country this man this has been so, so confused that I have to, that I have to use video, video over and over and over and over. And over again. Again. I'm going to cut out a bunch, a of, the bunch fluff of the fluff that I that I had planned, had planned on including, including in, this video. in this video. And I'm going to cut, to the, cut to the chase because we're living, because we're in, living a in a bizarre world, world, a completely, a completely bizarre, bizarre world. world. Let me start. Let me start here because I don't think anyone actually reads these reports other than people like me. Like I don't think anyone government reads these reports. I don't think Tiff reads these reports. 
Shelter, Shelter price inflation is high, high increases in mortgage, mortgage interest, interest and other housing, housing costs. What are other, what are housing, other housing costs? costs? Other, other includes rent, rent homeowners, homeowners home and mortgage, mortgage insurance, insurance, homeowners maintenance, maintenance and, repairs, repairs, and, property, and property taxes. Contributions, contributions to year to over year CPI, CPI inflation. inflation. That's 1.5. So that's about so 1.7. So 1.7 1. 1. 1. of our, our 3.8 is shelter. shelter. And most, and of, most this of this is mortgage, is mortgage interest, interest cost in the green, in the green right, there. right there. And then other, and then other, and in and other, in is, other rent. is rent. So almost, so almost all of that, all of that is because, is because of, mortgage, because of mortgage, interest. mortgage interest. No, I'm no, not cherry, I'm not picking, cherry picking. And I'm not, and reading, I'm not it reading it wrong. CPI inflation is expected to remain elevated higher price inflation and shelter price inflation. Shelter is here. Purple. Purple. Blue, is, blue energy. is energy. Like it's like barely, it's barely a, blip a blip on there. And remember, and remember shelter, shelter is mostly, is mostly the interest, the interest rate. rate. Like it's like the it's interest, rate interest rate and rent, and rent which is high which is because, because the, rates, because are the rates are high. There's 2%. There's 2%. So everything, everything else is below, is below 2%. 2%. That's their, That's their projection. projection. I didn't make this, I didn't make this up. up. This, this is from their monetary policy report. Okay? Okay? Purple. Purple. Right there. Right there. They're, they're projecting, projecting that they, that they themselves will be the, will be biggest, the biggest contributor, contributor to inflation, inflation for the foreseeable future. How can, we, how can we trust this man anymore? Crazy. Mm-hmm. And uh, all just interest rate money. Yeah. That's, that's what contributing to inflation predominantly. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Well, it's like we were talking about earlier. Um, nobody sees like what basket of goods and services that they're using to calculate um the like inflation yeah inflation rate rate and it's just like well why not why isn't that transparent Mm. it should be should when we when we talk about like wild and crazy things like removing the central bank and, and stuff like that i think the wild and crazy thing would be maybe not even removing the central bank but making it transparent like let let's see how interest rates are calculated. Let's see how inflation is calculated. Let's see how um, things like your credit score mm-hmm. are calculated. Why is that a secret sauce that only two Equifax and uh, trying to remember the other one? Like why why do they get to hold the keys to that? And it's like that's a wild idea. Maybe make things like that transparent. Mm-hmm. maybe we don't need to abolish something maybe we just need to know how it works and then fine-tune it a little bit better because it's obviously not working right yeah i would be on board with at least that uh, <laughs> <laughs> at a minimum <laughs> uh, well yeah it would be great to know how they do all these things and that's the problem it, it starts from the idea that people are too stupid to understand it and that's why we'll never share it that's why they'll, we'll never be transparent with it because you'll never understand it and then you'll these crazy right-wing conspiracy theorists will get on their podcast that we have to rele- uh, regulate and making sure that they'll they're just gonna say all the craziest things and tell you lies about this information that you don't understand and yeah 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 that's yeah. Where, that's where they're coming from they want to control 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 and uh but it is unfortunate that's kind of what we're seeing where again things that are out of your control are a reason why you're falling behind the eight ball. People are screwing with your money. Mm-hmm. And, and like, what, what what can you do about, oh, well, we had a $10,000 savings towards a house. <laughs> well, yeah, that $10,000, you know, five years ago is now worth four, $5,000. Yeah. Crazy. 
hundred times it and then you'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's, it's rough. It's tough for people out here. That's yeah. why, you know, obviously Paul, you have said it, you know, I'm still very much on board with this idea of incorporating Bitcoin more into our uh, financial systems here. And that's something that Polyev has voiced that he wants to do more of. I think it's important. Mm-hmm. So Let's jump into what Polyev said uh, about Trudeau. I'm like, I never got to see the clip, so I'm intrigued. <laughs> so this is what happened. So this happened a few weeks back where Trudeau is getting fired up, you know, in, in the House of Commons. He's talking about how we're going to have, the reason why the conservatives have failed in the last two elections or three elections is because they have not had a plan for climate change and Canadians will vote for climate change plans. And that's what will happen in the next election again. And, you know, he goes on and on and on. I love how you said that kind of like Trudeau speaks, like with the pauses and everything. Dude, (laughs) him and I have something in common. Yeah. you're both beautiful. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Well, then our, yeah. So uh, the uh, creator of the pleb has, uh, we did a whole thing on the, the inter, uh, interchange between these two. And so we're actually pull up his video and his, uh, he had posted Thanks. about it. And so we're going to post kind of like the tail end of Trudeau, you know, getting fired up and then we'll tell you what happens here. Those who are watching YouTube can see it happen. We'll explain it here on the podcast. Continue to say no plan against climate change is what's good for Canadians, good for our economy, good for businesses. They are wrong, and Canadians are going to show them that once again. Look how Pierre treats them. Look at him. He's telling Trudeau to bring it. So, yeah, obviously Trudeau does his whole thing, and Polyev just stands there and sits there and says, bring it. Just waving his fingers back yeah, at himself. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and you know that's the type of political theater I, I can get behind. It's kind of funny. So, <laughs> uh, it's like almost as bad as we talked about this before. But like the the Senate in the states, like mm. we'll go outside. I'll fight yeah. you. It's like, <laughs> why? Just like these great. are the people that are supposed to be representing us right now. Like yeah, this. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we'll start a fight. Um, yeah, I I found that person personally hilarious because they obviously you know trudeau laid down the gauntlet here where he said y- mm-hmm. y'all failed last three elections because you guys don't have a climate plan well we're gonna win again suck it and that was polyev's response i was like bring it bring it let's go let's do another election today call election today trudeau you're put you're confident yeah let's start calling election today let's go speaking of which i'm going to jump into another little thing so there's a petition out right now actually mm. um where because I remember on one of the other shows, I I said this, I was like, how do Canadians hold the government to account? Because right now I'm feeling like we don't have any kind of recourse recourse and uh, way to hold them to account. And so Melissa Outwater from Peterborough, Ontario, actually put together a petition and it's been supported by um, one of the conservative constituents in that area. it was at 38,000 um, signatures so far. I'm one of them as of, oh, as of this morning. Um, so we can post that for you. But it's interesting because it's uh, they're calling on the House for a vote of non-confidence. And they're saying that the Canadian people are tired of this government, that they're tired of the policies, that we do not feel that we've been represented well, and that we want to force a vote, which I thought was a wild, radical, innovative idea. Because it's like... If this actually gained enough traction that enough of the population of Canada signed something like this, 
because this has only been three days and they're at 38,000 uh, signatures and it hasn't been publicized that well, that if this starts getting out there and people start signing this and there's enough of the population that's upset that signs it, what does that mean? If the government, like the government has to do something with that, like, are they just going to be like, no, sorry, people, we don't, uh, we don't agree with you and too bad. That's not the way it works. It's like, okay, so then, you know, democracy is broken. It's like, or do they like actually do something about it? And then we have a new custom and convention in Canada where the people can force vote. Who knows? This is what they'll say. We don't negotiate with terrorists. <laughs> I, I better be prepared for my bank account to get frozen. <laughs> yeah, I would be, I, I mean, you'd know more than I w- ha- would because I haven't looked, I've seen this kind of passing on social. Don't know exactly the ins and outs of it. Do we have to hit a specific um, threshold uh, for it to even be seen in the House of Commons or at least be heard in the House of Commons? That I actually don't know. Okay. So I'm pretty sure all petitions go to the House of Commons. I think it's just they determine whether or not it's going to be moved up the line depending on the size of it, right? Mm. I heard but. something like 100,000. Oh, no, that's probably America. If probably That is probably the threshold. 100,000 signatures, something like that. Then it can be heard. Um, we'll have to look into this. Yeah. I want to see more. Because my understanding in Canada, anybody can petition the House of Commons. Mm-hmm. Whether it's given the time of day different story. is a different story. So, Yeah, if it gets big enough. Yeah, it closes December 24th, 2023. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Christmas Eve, make sure you get your... If you are not happy with this government, go ahead and sign this up. Let them know that you want to see a vote non confidence and you want to see us Canadians go to the polls one more time. See how yeah, yeah. I think I'm glad you brought it to the surface. It is an interesting situation that's going on. Um, but the other thing I thought was interesting was someone resurfaced Justin Trudeau's like one of his first campaign videos in 2015. And I'm just only I want to play this for you guys, and I want to hear and just what, I want to see if you feel any similar rhetoric being spoken here, which I thought was interesting. belongs to all Canadians. It belongs to you. But after a decade in power, Stephen Harper thinks it belongs to him. So now, this place is broken. But today, I'm presenting a real plan to fix it. Thomas Mulcair wants us to spend years wrangling over the Constitution. But I know Harper and his government are the problem. And the way to fix this place is to change the government not the Constitution. Replace this government with a better one. That's what real change starts with. Our plan creates a truly transparent and open government that will put an end to the secrecy and scandals of the Harper decade. (laughs) Of course, it will reform the Senate, but it will also do much, much more. After all, Harper broke a lot more than just the Senate during his decade in office. Our plan will modernize government and bring it into the 21st century. We'll open this place up so you can see what's going on, hold us accountable, and contribute more directly to what happens here. We'll shift power away from the back rooms to make sure your MP will be your voice here in Ottawa instead of Harper's voice in your community. We'll fund, support, and respect scientists and researchers so they can develop the solutions that we all need. We'll replace the Unfair Elections Act with reforms that encourage 
all Canadians to vote, especially young Canadians, and that make those votes count. But most of all, real change means we'll give our parliament, our government, and our democracy back to you. Come to realchange.ca to find out how we'll do it and how you can help. Thanks, you, Justin. Appreciate it. Mm. <laughs> Wasn't that funny, eh? Weird. So why I'm, like, dying over here is, like, one, all of the things that he said that he's, like, blatantly done the opposite of. And then, two, um, if you've had a chance to catch this hour of 22 minutes, they have a whole thing called the Justin Trudeau um, Broken Promises Memorial Garden. <laughs> and they're like, we will plant a tree for every broken promise of Justin Trudeau. And then they, like, start showing some of the trees. They're like, this is the bush of broken uh, electoral reform. And this is the bush of, like, whatever. And this is the the plant of this. And so it's just really, really funny to kind of, like, hear some of these things again in context to like everything that he's done, like the whole, like the scandals and the transparency and blah, blah. It's like, how many times have you blocked yeah. RCMP investigations <laughs> into your crap? Like, okay, cool. Yeah. I thought it was really interesting only because yeah, obviously funny to hear from this perspective on this side of his eight years in office, all the things that he blatantly has said, you know, to heck with that. <laughs> But what I thought was interesting as well was mainly the idea of like Ottawa's broken. Things are broken. Mm -hmm. I'm like, hmm, heard that before. Mr. Paul has been saying that lately too. And this is kind of more so the warning I give to people and voters where obviously we want the pain to end. Get this guy out of office. But also don't do the stupid thing that we've done for ages. Whereas your guy gets in, you ignore everything going on. I know. Um, don't do that because we, I'm sorry, like the messaging I'm hearing from Justin Trudeau here is very similar messaging I'm hearing from Paul Yev right now. Yeah. It happens with every switch over in government, any election. Drain the swamp. Yeah. Well, they want, they're going to say what they want you to hear. The key is that we need to kind of keep people's, our, our MPs feet to the fire Yeah, throughout the time. And they're going to say what they think you want to hear with beautiful music in the background yeah. to uplift you and make you feel as though Canada is the best country in the world. And there is a way for all of us to get there. <laughs> Love the intonation. Oh. Inflections are on point, sir. So yeah, I thought that was interesting. And, <laughs> <laughs> and then with that though, with these ads, uh, I do want to say that we're starting to see, the flailing happening on the left. The screeching of the end of an era is happening mm -hmm. where the tr the Trudeau government doesn't know what to do anymore. They don't, they have no value to offer Canadians. They have nothing to offer this country. So now they've done something a little different. They are now going on the offensive, going after the conservatives and calling, um, the, the Liberal Party tweeted this out. It says that uh, far-right American-style politics have no place in Canada, yet Pierre Polyev continues to import and spread their harmful rhetoric. Our Liberal team will always stand up to ensure all Canadians feel safe and free to be themselves with a photo of a headline that says Pierre Polyev under fire after video services of homophobic and transphobic, transphobic speech. And you know what? What I hate about this? Mm -hmm. It works. Because I had um, brunch with some friends and I was like, okay, we're a safe space right here. I was like, things don't leave the 
the brunch table here. I was like, it's election day. Who are you voting for? And they both went, Trudeau. And I was just like, why? Mm-hmm. Why? And they're like, well, Pierre Polyev scares me. I think that he's going to undo the social fabric of Canada. I think that he's going to make it unsafe for gay and trans people and that like women's rights are going to be rolled back and that we're going to head back to the 1950s because that's what he wants. And I'm like, wow, that liberal media machine worked overtime and it it's working. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I'm like, I'm nervous. I think back when like Jennifer L was saying like, you know, don't think that you've got this in the bag. Like you knock on doors, like you need to win. And I think that that's actually the case. I think that all the polls are leading towards conservatives, but I think that they still are fighting this. And the problem is, like I said, it's working. And so I don't know what things are going to look like, but it was uh, the whole conversation that I was like, well, when we look at some of the things that Trudeau has said, I said, it's all performative. I was like, you really need to reflect on. (laughs) You talk about the fact that like, he is a feminist. I was like, he kicked out two really strong um, female leaders who stood against him, who spoke truth to power, gone. Like you talk about how he's for indigenous peoples and indigenous rights. The wire on reserves, still terrible. But, you know, let's not talk about that. Let's keep, let's keep that to the side. Like, you know, he just completely goes against it. He's talking about, like, making sure that um, average Canadians have what they need to, to do well, yet throwing millions upon billions of dollars into the hands of private investors, private companies, like the billionaires of the world. It's like you're ingratiating the wealth of all of your friends at the expense of Canadians. I was like, how does that correlate with any of the messaging and rhetoric that you believe about this man? And because they're thoughtful people, they stopped and went, huh, Mm. I don't know. And it was that cognitive dissonance of like, but I've been hearing all this stuff about how great he is. And this is the, the, the vision that I have of this person. And anybody who says the opposite is obviously far right. So it was like watching that light go on of like, I need to now think about this differently. And if you have, if you're lucky enough to have people in your life where they are thoughtful about things like that, it's very interesting to watch that switch happen in real time. But it's just further evidence that like this kind of rhetoric works and Fear is what's like driving it. Absolutely. And they do a good job of it. This is one thing liberals are very, very good at. They are good at getting their messaging and then pounding it into the, the heads of their followers. So we saw, we just read that tweet out. And then shortly after they posted that that day, you had Mark Gerritsen who came out and spoke from Capitol, or from Parliament Hill about that very issue. You know, I think what Canadians really need to reflect on right now is where Mr. Polyev has taken the Conservative Party of Canada. We have now seen, not once, but twice in the last two days, the importation of this far right-wing American-style politics that's traditionally been occupied in the space of the MAGA movement. We're now seeing this being imported into Canada. Why on earth would the Conservative Party of Canada and their MPs turn their back on Ukraine right now in their time of need? It can be explained by nothing other than the importation of far-right politics written by the hand of somebody like Tucker Carlson. I strongly encourage all Canadians to reflect on this. We are at a pivotal point in our democratic process, our democratic institution right now, where we're seeing a pivotal shift, and it's something that we seriously need to reflect on. They're really good at it and Mm -hmm. pushing that that pressure point. What's one thing that Canadians are super insecure about? 
They don't want to be Americans. Exactly. <laughs> so, it, oh, American style politics is coming north the border. We don't want that here. We don't want that divisive rhetoric here. We don't want to be like the MAGA movement. We don't want that taking over the country, do we? They don't want to support Ukraine. They don't want to do free trade with Ukraine. Was that the actual issue? No. Are they straight up lying to you out of omission? Yes. Is that the liberals do best? That's what politi- politicians do best? Of course. That's the game they're playing. Yeah. It's concerning because I look at it too and I'm like, nobody wants to see innocent people suffer. It's the truth. But what happens is if you are like dumping billions of dollars elsewhere, when your own people in your own backyard are like living in tents, literally living in tents, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, that's like the issue I have here, right? Where they did a good job. I still, I would say they did a good job of hitting that, that fear point Mm -hmm. of that insecurity, but then they totally disqualify it with, because they don't want to support Ukraine. And that's when you see the unraveling of the liberals not understanding their core audience. Yeah. No one cares about Ukraine in this country anymore, aside from a select few, because they still buy into that propaganda. But like, as you said, we see what's going on in the streets. We see people who are starving. We see people in tents. Nothing being done about it, but we're seeing billions go over to another country. We can't help. Period. We're sad what's happening over there, but we physically can't help them. Yeah. But somehow you're making it happen that we can and then causing Canadians to suffer in the process. That's that's kind of the issue. And then Pierre's response to this I thought was interesting. Mm-hmm. They brought up the why did you decide not to do free trade with Ukraine? And he said it had nothing to do with Ukraine. The only reason we voted against it was because they wanted to put a carbon tax on Ukrainians. And we said no. <laughs> so, yeah, they're suffering over there. They're getting, you know, having a big old war with Russia. But now the farmers can't feed the people because they have a carbon tax input on them and people can't afford the food. And so we don't want to see what's happened to our people here at home happen to Ukraine. So that's why we voted against it until they took that out. That was the truth of what happened. But liberals... Ah, it's about they didn't want to fund Ukraine. Which is or they didn't want to do the free trade with Ukraine, I should say. Which is a half truth mm-hmm. because it, it is factually correct. You know. <laughs> it's like the proceedings where they're like, oh, it was not a cabin, it was a chateau or it was yeah. a villa or whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's that kind of you know, sly, you know, wordsmithing and half truths and technically correct versus like the de facto definition. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Welcome to politics, baby. We're learning <laughs> a lot over here. That's for sure. Uh, uh, this is just kind of a fun story. Edmonton doing what they do best, baby. Um, and by mean liberal policy again, city of Edmonton has spent $60 million on electric buses and they barely work. Their advertised range of 340 kilometers gets 117 clicks in range in real life which makes them operational only a fraction of the day, thus requiring more buses and adding and adding costs. They also need a diesel heater, a 200,000 blanket to keep, the, to keep the batteries warm. The diesel buses, in comparison, can work all day on one tank. Yeah. woo So a friend of mine who is an ex-Edmontonian mm. who has moved to, to Nova Scotia was actually talking to me about this on the weekend too. He's like... But they need a diesel heater <laughs> to keep them going. He's like, why are we not just burning the diesel to make the bus move? <laughs> and I was like, 
Yeah, that's wild. Like, because my thought is like, obviously you don't want the fumes from the diesel uh, going out into the public, people breathing it in, people getting sick, getting all kinds of weird lung diseases and all the spinoffs from that. Everybody can understand that, agree with that. But if you're burning the diesel anyway, to support the lithium that you mined from wherever, <laughs> like it's just, it doesn't, like when you look at life cycle analysis, which is a, a tool that um, a lot of green scientists use to assess the actual impact of a thing on the environment, like this does not check out. <laughs> no, it definitely doesn't. And uh, it was, And this is the thing that people have always been, had an issue with, with the green economy where yes, we want to find a way to live more sustainably, but the answers and the amount of money we're pumping into these solutions aren't real solutions and we're losing tons of money over it. And what I get is it's wild. We've known for a good century that trains are the way to do it. Why are we still so set on buses? Like mm. where, why, nobody likes them. I tried to use the Halifax transit like last week one day the bus never showed up. So I ended up walking Two, I was like, okay, I'm going, well, also I guess like 0.5 before the one was that I had to drive to then get to a place where I could actually catch a, catch a bus. Cause I didn't have bus access where I was. Um, so I drove parked somewhere. I think that was maybe illegal to park, but nice. we're, we're here. We didn't get any tickets, um, but got on the bus. Bus was late. I was late for work. The next day, bus never showed up. It's like, cool, awesome, walking to work. And then, like, day following that, I just gave up. Like, mm. I looked at the buses and it was like, oh, delayed, not on time. It's like, you know what? Screw it. Like, I'm just going to drive and pay for the parking instead. And it's like, we know that there are other options around the world that do it that we used to do here, which is a train. You can run it electric because it's got tracks and it's very efficient. And also the fact that it's very comfortable being on the bus itself was a crappy experience. I've got people breathing all over me and coughing and like people packed and like one person's like trying to hang onto the bar and falls on me. And it's just like, I don't like that. <laughs> like I'm a very outgoing, enthusiastic, extroverted person. I don't want somebody falling on me while I'm trying to sit there. I want to be able to sit on a train with my own seat, like maybe somebody beside me. I can work on my computer. I know that I'm going to get to work on time and that the experience is on time. It's clean. It's reliable. And that is not buses. Mm. And so why are we still trying to find bus solutions? Just put some freaking tracks in there for all the time and money and effort and waste that you put on trying to electrify buses and trying to get bus infrastructure, bus lanes, just put some tracks down and put a damn train in. <laughs> that's Jeez. all you have to do. I mean, that's one of the, I would say people from there might tear me up for this. Um, but I do, I have found the C train in Calgary is very, um, it's a good, it's a good solution. It's worked a lot. It's, it's a pretty good transit solution they have over there. Yeah. It, it covers a wide variety, a wide range of the city. And, uh, and very few buses that they have to run. Yeah, SkyTrain in Vancouver. I've used that many times. Awesome. Really good. Mm -hmm. Can so, you imagine having a SkyTrain here? It crazy. would be wonderful if we had a SkyTrain here. Oh, we yeah. are the perfect spot for a SkyTrain. Yeah, like, I'd say so. We have beautiful harbor all around us. Like lots of rolling like hills with trees and areas that we've like managed to protect without allowing developers to come in and take over. 
we've, we've made that a priority. Why not showcase it on your morning commute? Make it actually desirable to go into the downtown rather than a headache. Oh man, can you imagine? I mean, I know they're trying to develop the the ferry system, which I think is also a good solution. Yeah, me but, too. But yeah, a, a, a SkyTrain would be pretty well, unreal. Yeah, dream big. Stop dreaming small. It's funny because like one of my friends who's a transit uh, developer in Toronto working on the TTC expansion to Eglinton, um, he said the best time to invest in like train-based transit infrastructure was yesterday. Mm. And he was talking about how in Vancouver that they only had a population of like 450, 460,000 at the time when they started building the SkyTrain because they knew the population was coming. They knew that they had to plan for the future. And then they, when they finally had it all finished and up and operational, they had the population to support it. And then they supported that population and then it grew and grew and grew. So it's like, that's what we need to be doing. Dream big, put the investment in where it's necessary, not into some ridiculous battery plant that uh, we're hiring out you know, South Koreans to, to build things for us. Like, no, stop doing that. Yeah. Sometimes innovation isn't the newest, shiniest thing. Sometimes it's the old thing that works well. Mm. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Just innovate on the thing we already got. True. I mean, like, shout out the Halifax Regional Municipality. Um, <laughs> trying to think of a solution to really figure out their money issues and do something cool here by increasing property taxes by another 9.7%. The HRM staff report recommends they do that. And uh, the reason being because the tax site needed to cover revenue shortfall of $68.7 million, report says. Yeah. Wow. So more tax increases coming for Haligonians. And then you got, I think it was, was it Councillor Lovelace? I don't know if you can go scroll down there. Um, yes, Lovelace. Um, saying that, you know, businesses are still struggling and that uh, we should be grateful because the original uh, amount that the staffer is um, promoting was 15%. So 9.7 isn't that bad. It's like, who said this? Counselor Pamela Lovelace? Yep. All right. Make her famous. <laughs> she's she's giving you a treat. We're only saying, wait, oh, we were going to give you a 15% increase, but we're only going to give you 9.7 because, you know, Christmas is coming. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, don't worry. You know, we, we're looking out for you. We, we brought it down to 9.7. And so this is actually something that's actively being debated right now. It's going to take an, about a month or two for them to actually go back and forth on what this looks like. But what's funny is that when I, like we have a, a local um, Instagram account called Halifax Noise that had posted this article and uh, <laughs> I had commented on it. I was like, listen, I was like, we have many budgets that we could cut or that we can make leaner. And I was like, we have this apparently a green um, shift tax. I can't remember. It's climate action. I think that's a federal one. Don't remember what the municipal one is. All I know is that I watched a good 80 bucks come off my property tax bill for whatever this Halifax action plan is on green. It's like, okay, cool. Where did all that money go? Mm. Maybe use some of it for the, uh, for the $68 million windfall or shortfall shortfall, shortfall that you've got. Like reallocate things. No, we don't do that here. We just try to figure out where we can get more money and just try to tip you over. Uh, yeah, tip you over, put you on your head, and get more change out of your pockets. I didn't uh, know where you're going. Absolute with that. bullies over here. <laughs> we don't want. We need uh, some lunch money, so we're gonna go and screw you over again. Yeah. 
the HRM council is a joke. If that's what they're proposing, like that's their solution. Their solution is not 15%. No, the solution is a 9.7 increase in property taxes. That's their solution. Instead of finding ways to give the people some value and find ways they can cut budgets elsewhere. Well, see, the other problem too is that one of the comments that was brought up too was the fact that if you keep making it more expensive for developers to build homes, build rental units and things like that by constantly increasing the property tax, there's like two things that are going to, one of two things that are going to happen, maybe even both at the same time. One, you're either going to disincentivize building of these units because they're going to say that the cash flow isn't there. It doesn't make sense. Like property tax is too high. I'm going to take my investment elsewhere. Or you're going to have individuals who are like, you know what, I'll swallow it for now, but pass it on to the rent payer, pass it on to the home buyer. It's just going to get passed on. They're, they're not going to accept it. Why would they accept it? Yep. They're like, we, we are providing something that you need. So therefore you can suck it up. <laughs> you remember when, uh, HRM council got really frustrated at the Houston government for railroading them <laughs> over <laughs> building more housing. Yeah. This is why you got railroaded is because you can't make proper decisions and you take too much time and you waste taxpayers time and money. That's why the provincial government railroaded you because you weren't getting nothing done. This is your solution. 9.7% increase. Get out of here. Yeah. And I will credit like some of the counselors on that, that council that have just been like, no, our constituents can't take this. This is too much. This is not the way forward because and it's often you'll see a lot of these counselors are always the ones saying, no, let's not do that. That's a bad idea. Let's think something else. And they always get shut down. <laughs> so it's, it's hard to watch sometimes when you see good people out there for the interests of, of their constituents and the people they represent getting their voices shut down. So I guess the question is, where are the protests? Where are the people, you know, supporting those that are their dissenting voices? Where are the people out there, you know, calling for action? where we need it at home. Yeah. I mean, Lovelace really tried her best to empathize with us. Yeah. She says that she does not think 9.7% increase is acceptable, but she recognizes that the municipality is struggling to deal with the deficiencies in a number of areas, including road infrastructure and transit. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting one to me. I think that right there just puts the perfect, just period on the statement because Nothing I've ever seen done in this province has ever been done with a thought process of a long way out. We just do enough, does some patchwork to get through a year, get through two years. And we're constantly fixing things here all the time, wasting more and more money. Instead of just spending some extra money up front to have a long-term solution that will last, we do patchwork. Mm -hmm. I think that's where we're also seeing a lot of money coming out of the... Inf uh, road infrastructure so I, I i still like i have to balance two things right it's like i just for five seconds or five minutes went off about how we need to sky train which is transit infrastructure you also have to pay for that but the thing is like i don't actually think i would mind paying the tax if i knew i was going to get value out of it the problem is i'm not seeing the value coming back to me for the things that i'm being taxed for like i said i was infuriated when i saw that 80 dollars come off my tax bill for whatever this Halifact climate, whatever thing is that has no actual goals or anything attached to it. There's nothing tangible there. 
And I think maybe that's the theme of the show is like do something tangible. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so that that's what's infuriating, right? And so, and then there's like a town hall for this and, you know, money spent over here. And then there's a feel good parade for this over here that costs that much money because we need to make sure this group feels special. Like I'm tired of paying for that stuff. We don't have the money for all this stuff right now. We need to actually put money into transit and infrastructure. And one of the things that somebody had said to me online about this in particular, like, well, do you not like you're getting, you're getting your garbage picked up every week. And it's like, well, maybe it is. We pick up our garbage every second week instead of every week. Maybe it is that kind of a cut. Maybe it's actually saying, you know what? We don't need traffic cops. We'll just put up some cameras instead. You'll get your bill in the mail if you're speeding. Maybe it is looking at ways to actually reduce the cost. And they're just like, nope. You just you just hate people with jobs. <laughs> it's like, what? Yeah, you're right. You're right. I remember when I went to Cape Breton, and I remember seeing 30 people lined up for the one cashier when there was a bunch of self-checkouts that were just empty because mm-hmm. they so believed in people having jobs. Yeah, that's, that was Nova Scotia snapshot for me. I was like, oh, I'm not going to be waiting this line for literally half hour. So I'm going to go to the self-checkout and get the dirty looks. I thought it was so weird. But that's the mindset over here. It's interesting. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, well, we're coming down to the uh, the last little bit here, sir. Um, open AI drama. Thought that was interesting. Yeah, let's, let's talk about it. It's too much fun. Yeah, it's too much fun. Is that obviously Sam Alton got a little turfed, uh, you know, a couple weeks back. Now they're trying to bring him back. They realize that they like, oh, we made a mistake with the board. I was a little too hasty in our decision making. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And then what you end up finding out is yes, it was out of nowhere. They they took out Sam Altman for no real reason. But now it's slowly coming out. The reason why is because apparently there's some workers within OpenAI who are sounding the alarm that the AI is getting a little too smart. Mm. It's getting to a point of artificial general intelligence, mm-hmm. which they said would essentially surpass like superhuman capabilities and really cause some issues for humanity. Elon Musk even said himself, if we get to the point of artificial general intelligence, that money won't even be a thing anymore. It won't be needed. Because this thing will do all the, anything that's economically needed will be done by this thing. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like. All I know is something got cooked up in one of these labs and it's getting weird. And it's it's all the movies we've ever talked about. It's It looks like it could be happening. It's Skynet. It's Ooh. iRobot. <laughs> oh, did you? Oh, on that note, did you see what uh, China and America is doing with their military? No, I didn't. Dude, they've both been testing out drones with AI so they could snipe each other with them. Oh, my God. That hacks that came out in a story, which I thought was wild. Be- America started inventing it because they knew they're if they went to war with China, that they were gonna have China's gonna have far more soldiers than them. So America started developing AI drones to start shooting people up, so they could make up for the lack of people they're gonna have in war against them. And China started developing something very similar. And I'm like, oh, this is stuff we were actually scared about. Or like robots can just kill. Mm-hmm. We're gonna allow. We're gonna program them to kill people. That's Black Mirror. <laughs> yeah. I was like, gee, we're here. Wild. And the question I have is, what do those robots look like? Do they look like bumblebees? <laughs> do they, do you know, do they look like a bird? Oh, gee, good <laughs> like, question. 
Uh, Black Mirror. Yeah. <laughs> I I was so thrown off when I saw that story. I was like, oh, this is this is a real real. This is happening. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, you know, you talk. Uh, wait, what you feel about that? Because I'm going to pull that article right now. Because I thought it was insane to see it. I don't know, man. I All I can think about it is I thought it was interesting that most recently they actually had the um, Chinese leader on record saying to everyone saying, you know, China doesn't want a war with the states. China wants a prosperous United States. China wants to see um, us both do well. We want to see ourselves do well, us do well, because when we both do well, we both, you know, ingratiate each other with wealth. Of course. But please stay out of uh, the South China Sea. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, huh, interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Stay out of the South China Sea and uh, all we can. Yeah, so I'm thinking this whole drone thing is kind of like the equivalency on a weird scale of uh, good fences make good neighbors, I think. Mm. So I think that's a fair statement. So for our wild card segment, this is my personal favorite. Old Harbor, Nova Scotia has so many giant Santas. Just think of a cookie cutter neighborhood that has everyone has the same decorations. And that's what we're seeing in Cole Harbor, Nova Scotia. Home of Sidney Crosby and Nathan McKinnon. Santa's. Santa's everywhere. <laughs> Gee. I, I think I would pranks. describe myself as a little bit of like chaotic good because like part of me is just like it'd be so funny to start arranging those Santas in, inappropriate. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because they're all exactly the same. Every single one of them is like Costco must have had a sale. Oh yeah. It's kind of similar to the Home Depot skeleton, right? Yeah, exactly. But uh, I just thought that was so funny. And I don't know if you remember like back in the day, like Badger Badger. It's like badger, 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 oh, yeah. mushroom. Yeah, so all I could think of when I saw that, it was like, Santa, 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 Santa. <laughs> of course you did. But, Unreal, uh, dude. Well, yeah. that was, I mean, we'll end off on one last thing because this has been hanging out in our wildcard segment section for the past three weeks. But we've, at this point, you've definitely heard about it, but it's still interesting how the reason why um, leftism liberals have done so well over time is because they they own the culture war they own cultural institutions they own the santas they own the santas <laughs> uh target got in trouble this week for selling uh black handicap santa uh, no that was pretty funny i'm not gonna lie <laughs> <laughs> it was like that was calm that kind of cracked me up um but we're starting to see things like hip-hop artists from the states ripping on our leaders up here and this was at a concert many have probably ever seen it but it's interesting this happened at a concert of American rapper Lil Darky in Toronto. But I'm curious what some Canadians think about this question. Raise your hand if you are happy with your government. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
They, I, they lost the young people in this country, and they're going to lose the next election. I just love that he turned it into a rap. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's like, oh, sick beat. Like, <laughs> this gives me going. Yeah, 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 yeah. So let the hate flow through you. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> um, but that's where we're at, and as a country here, and uh, things are wild. But you know, we're grateful that you joined us for one more time. Whatever it is you're doing, whether you be going to the grocery store, picking up yourself a giant Santa, <laughs> or getting yourself together as you prepare for the Christmas holidays. Whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are, we love you. We're out. Peace.